0: Hello, this is Avni Majitia Sagepal and you're listening to the New Thinking Podcast. I'm here at the Dallas City Hall for Reinvesting in Justice, a regional conference that brings together a wide range of criminal justice practitioners to discuss challenges and highlight innovative work being done in the field of criminal justice today, both in Texas and elsewhere. I'm joined here by Mark Levin, who is the director of the Center for Effective Justice at the Texas Public Policy Foundation and policy director of its Right on Crime initiative in Austin. Mark, welcome. Thank you. Today's big topic is reinvesting in justice. From where you sit, what does reinvesting in justice look like and why is it so important?
1: What we really think is important is to make sure that we're getting a good return on our investment of in tax dollars in the criminal justice system. And I think what we see as we look around the country is that there's this gap in resources and sometimes the financial incentives aren't right. For example, in certain systems, especially juvenile systems, counties have an incentive to send offenders to the state level because they the state at the state institutions bears the full cost of it when in fact uh, programs that are closer to home get better results. So when we talk about reinvesting in justice, I think that we have to make sure that the financial incentives are right, that we're not actually incentivizing the most expensive and often least effective option. That's really an important focus of ours.
0: You just spoke on a panel about working with unlikely allies. Can you explain what that panel was about and also what you yourself spoke about?
1: Sure. Well, Right on Crime is a conservative criminal justice reform initiative. And so we have a statement of principles that's signed by people like Newt Gingrich and former Texas Governor Rick Perry. And so we obviously come from the right side of the spectrum, but we work with a number of groups uh, across the spectrum where there's common ground. And of course, we've seen with criminal justice reform, there's perhaps more common ground than virtually any other issue today in the American political landscape. And at the end of the day, I think all of us, regardless of our political views, we want less crime, we want fewer victims, we want people to go from... In the criminal justice system to a productive, law-abiding life to be able to find economic opportunity. We wanna keep families together. We recognize that every major religious tradition and even people that aren't religious know that humans have a possibility of redemption, that people can change and be transformed, whether it's spiritual or otherwise. So I think that provides the foundation for really changing the criminal justice system so that we focus not on getting even but on getting results and that we don't really confuse the people we're afraid of with with those we're mad at as far as uh, making sure we're prioritizing uh, the use of prisons. Certainly there are some people that need to be incarcerated but we've gone too far in terms of uh, using prisons when in many cases it can make people worse, particularly low risk and nonviolent offenders. And here in Texas we've had a great collaboration with the Texas Smart on Crime Coalition which includes ourselves, the Texas Association of Business, Goodwill, um, Texas Criminal Justice Coalition, a Christian Life Commission and other groups all coming together under this Texas on Crime Coalition to advance a legislative agenda that really um, uh, is making sure that we right-size the criminal justice system and that we move people to programs that are more effective and ultimately get people out of the criminal justice system and into law-abiding productive lifestyles.
0: Speaking of unlikely allies, how exactly do you work to create common ground with a diverse set of stakeholders? What are some of the advantages of doing that? And on the flip side, what are the challenges from your experience?
1: Well, I think the advantages certainly are that you can broaden the appeal of this issue and reach out to new constituencies and demonstrate that there really is a consensus behind solutions that both reduce crime and incarceration. The challenge I would say is that it's important for everyone in a coalition to be able to maintain their identity and so we obviously don't make any bones about the fact that we're conservatives, we're on the right side of the spectrum, that we really place a heavy emphasis on personal responsibility but there are other ways of holding people accountable besides putting them prison. And in fact, for example, we know that people on probation pay 98 times more restitution than those in prison to victims, which is perhaps the most important outcome, particularly for people that have been stolen from, that they want to make sure they get their money back. Or we've seen kids that stole where they're able to do service restitution. But the bottom line is that when we're working with people across the board, that everyone realizes that while there's many issues where we overlap on those where our agendas aren't necessarily contradictory, it's just some group's agenda goes further than another group. They continue to have their own space to do that so it's been very effective I think.
0: What does it mean to be right on crime? First
1: of all we believe in small government and obviously prisons are kind of the epitome of big government and of course they're very expensive for taxpayers. Certainly some people do need to be incarcerated but we need to do a better job through things like actuarial risk and needs assessments of matching the right offender with the right program and identifying many people who can be safely diverted whether it's into drug treatment, to drug court, mental health court, veterans court. We have new tools now whether it's electronic monitoring or medication assisted treatment for things like heroin addiction that is very effective. So we definitely have to think outside the cell and that uh, we have a statement of principles that talks about that. It talks about performance measures for various entities within the criminal justice system. So we actually uh, measure results, Um, talks about the importance of restitution to victims, essentially moving from a system that grows when it fails to one that rewards results.
0: Today in Dallas, we're seeing a range of speakers and participants from judges and public defenders to police chiefs, councilmen, and new scientists. Has this generated any interesting insights or conversations for you? Um, What are some of the ideas you're coming away with?
1: Well, it's uh, great to have all these stakeholders at the table, and I think that it helps us understand that each part of the system can affect the other, so you have to have solutions that bear that in mind. One of the interesting areas, I think, is indigent defense. We have people here from that community, and one of the areas we recently did a paper on pretrial justice that examined the importance of early representation by counsel, because oftentimes the setting of bail, for example, and conditions uh, can determine whether somebody stays in jail for months pending their trial or that they're released, including onto pretrial supervision. And so when you just have the prosecutor and the judge who work for the government involved in that, they may miss certain factors that uh, would demonstrate this person is uh, very likely to return to court and that they're very unlikely to commit an offense while on release. And so the defense counsel can bring those factors to the forefront. And interestingly, about half of the people that stay in jail they end up getting probation, even though they've been in jail all this time up until their trial. And so the penalty is effectively served before they've ever been convicted. And so I think that's a really wrong and backwards approach. And so I think that uh, by working with judges and counsel for the indigent who are either appointed, or we have a pilot program now in Comal County, Texas, where it's essentially a voucher program, and the defendants themselves can choose from a list of capable counsel. And we've worked with the Texas Indigent Defense Commission on that. That's going very well. And so that actually really emphasizes the fidelity of the client to the attorney in that relationship. And it's also monitoring the caseloads to make sure you don't have 500 or 600 cases being handled by one attorney where they're just basically pleading them out quickly without investigating them. So making sure that system is working well, that has a big impact on the jail, for example, because you're getting people out who don't need to be there. Uh, The mental health system, we've had a lot of discussion here about that, that we need to have places where, for example, in San Antonio, they have a 24-hour crisis center where somebody who's yelling at the top of their lungs at McDonald's can go there. Instead of the jail, so it's another option for police. So again, it's a matter of bringing everyone together and finding these solutions that also may involve the mental health system or other social services, not just the criminal justice system.
0: You mentioned uh, the Red Hook Community Justice Center earlier. I was curious to know your thoughts on the work of a community justice center like Red Hook. Red
1: Hook has been terrific. I know they recently had an anniversary celebration and it really emphasizes restitution and community service. One of the things that we'd like to do in the next uh, legislative session here in Texas is make sure that judges can discharge fines and fees uh, for people who are indigent by having them do community service instead. Um, Obviously trying to replicate the Red Hook Center would be ideal, but I think giving even just the regular courts more tools to really get people on the right track is very important. We're big believers in restorative justice, things like victim offender mediation, where we recognize the victim is really the individual that was stolen from, for example, rather than the government. And too often we have cases where some one's paid uh, all this money in fines to the government, but the victims still hasn't gotten restitution. So we need to recognize a lot of victims want an apology. they like the idea of meeting with the offender and making sure they understand the effect of the crime on them and on the neighborhood. And so things like Red Hook really provide a more personal form of justice rather than large bureaucracies. And so I think that's one of the reasons it's had such good results.
0: Thank you so much, Mark, for sitting down with me today. Uh, that was a very interesting conversation. Well, thank you. I'm Avni Majitia Sejbald and I have been sitting down and talking with Mark Levin at Reinvesting in Justice. To listen to more New Thinking podcasts or to learn more about our work, you can visit our website at www.courtinnovation.org. Thanks for listening.